Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. Why did God the Father create Barah Ministries? The Father created Barah Ministries to give Pastor Rory Clark something to do every week. Pastor Rory's life is so boring, he has nothing better to do than to sit in a chair for 25 hours every week, making his toes numb for the privilege of bringing you a lesson about the sovereign God of the universe, the most important person in your life, so that you can ignore completely and not apply that to your life in any way. It could be that. It could be that, or it could be the God the Father created Barah Ministries to give you a protective sanctuary that is different from anything else you have going on in your life, where you could escape from the propaganda curriculum of the world to learn about the one and only person who cares about you more than you care about yourself. Rather than giving your allegiance to social media, which is really social propaganda, designed to ruin you and to take away your ability to think and your ability to be a great student who comes to a Bible lesson with a notebook and a pen and a pencil, ready to tap into the most important information In the universe, we give ourselves to these unbelievers and their platforms, and we let them shape our thinking, and that ruins us. The Lord Jesus Christ cares so much about you that at the moment you decide, he places you in union with himself for all eternity, even though you were not, you are not, nor will you ever be worthy of such an honor. My question for you is this. How seriously do you take this kind of gift? You know, you walk around talking about how you want. Okay, this is a gift that gives you what you want. Well, how seriously do you take the gift? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this about you. If anyone is in union with Christ, and all of you believers in Christ are, from the moment of salvation, there is a new creation created and gifted to you by God. The old man things passed away. They died. Have you ever wondered where that expression, he passed, he passed away. Do you ever know where that came from? It came from right here. The old man things passed away. They died. Who you were before salvation died. Behold, the new self things created for you by God have come. When an unbeliever looks at you, can they tell that you're any different from them? You have to answer that. 
at the moment of salvation, you are a completely new spiritual being because of what the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Father did for you. And every week, Pastor Rory Clark gets to tell you about the Godhead so you can ignore them too. Well, how can you get to know this Lord? To know someone, you have to know how they think. Let me repeat that because I don't believe you heard me. To know someone, you have to know how they think. And you actually, it would be do well to value how they think. And you have to know their mind. God the Father gave you a person with a teaching spiritual gift, Pastor Rory Clark, who helps you to get to know the Lord through sharing the word of God with you, verse by verse, from the Lord's perspective and not from man's perspective. Let me repeat that. This ministry teaches the word of God from the Lord's perspective and not from man's perspective. Man has no perspective for you. If you're being honest with yourself rather than listening to what... uh, Listening to what you're hearing here, you prefer to listen to false teachers who bring lies to you, lies that you can ingest alongside the truth to distort the truth so you can't even tell what's true anymore. Everything's true. Oh, there aren't two genders. There's whatever gender I think there is. Yeah, not exactly. Uh, to, To be able to determine what gender you are, you would have to be the supreme being of the universe. To say that there are more than two genders, you would have to have been the one who created gender, and you aren't. The Apostle Peter warns you not to be fooled. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he says this, For we, and that's we is Peter referring to himself, did not follow cleverly devised fables, And that's what false teachers bring you, fables that you can believe in and adopt as your operating system in your life. Fables from false teachers. When we made known to you believers in Christ the divine power and the news of the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is imminent. Now, I don't want you scurrying to your dictionary to find out what imminent means, but what it means is coming really soon. Not quite soon enough. And Peter continues, in fact, we, again, Peter referring to himself, if you want to study the worst Greek in the world, study Peter. (laughs) He was awful. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What he means is that the Lord Jesus Christ took Peter, James, and John up on top of a mountain and showed them exactly what he's going to look like when he comes the second time. And Peter, of course, wasn't listening. He was running his mouth rather than listening for the instruction that the Lord was giving him. And this is the guy who's saying, hey, I saw it with my own eyes. And now that you have the word of God in writing, Peter says it's more reliable and seeing things with your own eyes as he did. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 says this. Now we, again Peter referring to himself, have the prophetic word of God in writing, the Bible, which makes us, Peter referring to himself again, even more sure. Isn't that interesting that he saw Jesus Christ as he would be at the second coming, 
with his own eyes, and he says, this book is more, more convincing and more true and more effective than that. Isn't that amazing? What, is he stupid? No, he isn't. He's right on because what he's saying is that an omnipotent God was smart enough to give everybody, every, every one of us, the same advantage that Peter had. What he's saying is that we don't have to see the Lord with our eyes to understand the same thing he saw when he looked at him with his eyes. No, this is more important than our eyes. 66 books, one source, right here. The most important book in the world, in the history of mankind, and I bet not too many believers in Christ have ever don't, either ha, don't, don't have one or have never cracked it, never opened it, because it's easier to get sucked into the world system and use an electronic means of doing it so you don't ever have to see the context of it. You only get to see the little pieces, because that's all we need. You know, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook teach us things in 30-second increments. What have you ever learned that was very important, critical to your life, that you have carried with you through your life in 30 seconds? Nothing. Not a thing. Because learning takes longer than that. I have a young lady I mentor who, over the course of the last three years, has busted her butt to learn a lot of things. And none of it was given to her in 30-second increments. Isn't that right, Raquel? So, the second half of this. Now, uh, let me read the first half again and then get you back to, for the second half. Now, we, Peter referring to himself, have the prophetic word of God in writing, the Bible, which makes us, Peter referring to himself again, even more sure. More sure of what? And as for the word of God, you do well to pay attention as you would to a lamp shining in a dark place. Now, if you saw me in sandals, you would see that I have two big toes that are painted purple. And people always ask me, why are your toes painted purple? Well, for one, I went to Northwestern University. For two, my favorite color is purple. And for three because I didn't have a lamp shining in a dark place in my house, I kicked furniture and split my toes, and that's a two-year proposition for your toes after they crack in half to grow back, and I don't want to look at that for two years. So over the top of that blackness is purple nail polish, so I don't have to look at that. That's what Peter's talking about here. You do well to pay attention to the Word of God as you would to a lamp shining in a dark place, because if you're in the dark... Having the light is really important. Until the day dawns. What day? The second coming of Christ. And the morning star, who is that? The Lord, Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, arises in your hearts. And my question for you is, are you paying attention? Are you paying that level of attention to something that is this important to you? Or are you as stupid as I am to walk around where furniture is without turning on a lamp? For every question you have about what to do in life, 
The Bible has the answers. Maybe you didn't hear that, but I said to every, for every question you have about what to do in life, the Bible has the answers. The people around you don't. And if you're hanging around people who don't have any answers, what do you think is going to happen to you? You're not going to have any answers either. You make, you may not like the answers that the Bible gives you, and you may not want to hear it because it's not in line with your agenda, your agenda to ruin your life. You may think that the apps on your phone have better answers. They don't. You may think, you know, that's your right, though. The Bible has the right answers. Is it the first source you consult before you make a decision? You have to answer that. Now, as I tell you all the time, so I've told you about Jesus Christ, the sovereign God of the universe, and I told you about his word, which is a light shining in a dark place. Now I'm going to tell you about his enemy. And you didn't think about this this morning. His enemy is Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world. This whole world that we're in is a propaganda curriculum from the worst creature who has ever existed in the history of mankind. And all he wants to do is ruin you. John chapter 12, verse 31 says this, Now judgment is upon this world already. It's been done. The ruler of this world, Satan, will be cast out. He'll be dethroned in, the, in a future time. You know why? Because he's not worthy to lead a free people. Because he's not into your freedom. He's into tyrannizing you. I was talking to a person, a friend of mine, and I said, what do you think Satan's out to do? Deceive? Correct. What else do you think he's out to do? Distract? Correct. What else? I don't know. Destroy. Satan's out to destroy your life and to destroy you. And you did not wake up this morning looking in the mirror and thinking that that was the case. He's out to destroy you. He's out to destroy me even more because he doesn't like what I'm saying to you when I get up in this pulpit because the things that I'm saying to you in this pulpit are coming from God, the Holy Spirit, who, who wants to direct you with his still, small voice to a path that has 100% your benefit in mind. Satan and his demon army are not out just to deceive you or to distract you. They're out to ruin you. And then, when and, and the easiest person for them to use to destroy you is you. Because you get to a point where you're successful and then you relax. And they say, isn't that crazy how they do that all the time? They just, they, they're kicking butt and they just relax. And they get sucked right into our system of stuff. It's beautiful. The second easiest person to use to destroy you is a Christian. I have never been treated by unbelievers like I'm treated by Christians. How about you? They want to ruin you. Satan and his demon army want to ruin you and everything that is yours. And when you allow them to destroy you, you know what they do? They laugh at you and they point at your misfortune. They taunt you. They encourage you to taunt yourself because the things you're saying to yourself when you stand in front of that mirror this morning were not, you know, I, I am, I, one of June's songs came to mind. I am beautiful. I see myself as beautiful. You weren't singing that. You were saying, oh, my God, where's my makeup? I got a little zit. 
on my face. Oh, my God, I don't think I'll shave my head today. It doesn't matter how I look. Dress, I just pull whatever's around, laying around on the floor because it's not important for my gorgeous self to look like its best self at all times. That's the propaganda of our kingdom that we live in. Fortunately, we as believers in Christ are not citizens of this world. We're just visiting here for a short time to learn how pathetic Satan and his rulership are before we go to eternity like Pastor McLaughlin has and sit face-to-face with the Lord forever in a place of no more sorrow, no more tears, in a place that's amazing because of one decision we made that we had to be encouraged to make by the sovereign God of the universe, the omnipotent one. Yeah. They taunt you. That's why the Bible and Pastor Rory Clark warn you to play defense. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be of sober spirit. What does that mean? Wake up, people. It says, Be on the alert. Wake up, people, because your adversary, the person who wants to destroy you, the devil, Satan, the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of this world, the liar, who is the one who keeps on fathering lies, keeps on prowling around like a roaring lion, not a lion with teeth, a roaring lion who just talks a bunch of crap, seeking someone to devour, and the person he wants to devour is you, and you are the one who can let him be successful, and most of us do. Did you wake up this morning thinking that you had an enemy? Did you wake up this morning thinking that the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies are thinking about how to destroy you this very minute while you're putting on your makeup or scratching your head. You didn't. You didn't think about that. And if you didn't awaken thinking of this, is it any less true? Just because you're ignoring it, does that mean it isn't true? Well, the Bible says it's true. The Bible says exactly that, that there's, there are spiritual forces in the heavenlies, Ephesians chapter 6, looking to destroy you this very day, and you will never see it coming. And you know how I know that? Because I taught Colossians, and I probably spent 70 hours doing it, something that probably took 30 hours, but I spent 70 hours doing it, which is my bad because there were other things that I could have been doing instead of wasting my time having people ignore the message. But those lessons said there are false teachers and false teaching that you need to be aware of. I wasn't telling you that because I wanted you to know what the first century Colossian church was going through. I was telling you that because I want you to know that you go through that every day, that you access stuff that's teaching you every day, and the stuff you access has a teacher that is inspired by somebody who is teaching those things and trying to get something into your head in 30 seconds. And it's amazing to me how fast people can get a propaganda into your, mess, into your head that you adopt and then use as the part of the operating system of your life. And you know how I know that? Because I have two sons, and as soon as they went to college, everything they had learned in 18 years was gone in a month. The propaganda system is that effective. A month. 18 years gone in a month. 
Doesn't that make you just want to run right out and be a parent? How often do you think about who's out to get you? We don't. Every week, if you listen to the lessons at Broad Ministries, you'll hear that you have somebody who thinks you're so special that they love whatever you do. You'll hear that that person, the Lord Jesus Christ, is totally willing to reveal his mind to you and has done so in one perfect work. Right here, 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. The perfect book, the only book you need in your life ever. And he's put it all here, all the answers to every problem you ever had. How often did you put your hands on this this week? How often do you pay attention to that? But despite the evidence, right in your face, which you talk about all the time, which your Lord warns you about every time you come to Bible lesson, you can't imagine that someone would be interested in destroying you. You know what I figured out this morning? I figured, look, I don't have the context of all the generations in the world because I haven't seen all the generations in the world. I just know a few. I know the World War II generation. I know another generation, and I know the ones that have come after it. From my perspective, my limited perspective, the worst generation in the history of mankind is the group of people that was born between 1946 and 1964. My generation. They're called the baby boomers. Because we are horrible leaders raised by a great generation of people who we didn't like and we have now tabbed the silent generation. They were not silent. They were all over the baby boomers to get us to become amazing and tough. And we took the lesson of toughness that they were giving us, and we said we boiled it all down to one question. I don't want my kids to have it as hard as I did. And we, we led a group, the groups after, to be soft. And now we blame them. I can't believe this generation. No, you shouldn't be able to believe yourself because you're not being accountable for the fact that you made it easy and put no demands of toughness on this generation, and they are soft because of your leadership, baby boomers. And now your life is spent in Mayo Clinic, and you've given up on life. Yeah, that group. Never wanting to look in the mirror, never wanting to point at ourselves as having fostered a soft group. No, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to blame the victims. There's nothing wrong with the younger generation except as it relates to their choices because if two parents are sending a message, one is sending a tough and strong message and the other is sending a soft message, those people are always going to gravitate to the soft message. Because no child is anything but folly in the soul. Children don't want to do the hard work that is required to be tough. But the world requires tough. And that's why the generations today are getting eaten for lunch. And they don't even have the slightest idea that they're completely incapable of being students or reading 
or doing any of the tough things that tough people do when they want to succeed and excel and have the exact life that they want to have. And it's our fault, my generation's fault. We are lousy leaders. And we have produced a lousy group. Now, that lousy group has culpability too because they have choices. And a lot of the people I work with have made choices to succeed and more, many more of the people that I work with have made choices to fail. That's why Barah Ministries in the resident congregation has about 10 people sitting in front of me every week. And if that's going to continue, I'll just do it for my desk. And that way, the desk could be in Italy. Because we don't have to pay $2,300 a month for this. There's no need to do it. That's a lot of money to give to somebody else to not think that our God is so important that the message that we're learning about him demands that we bring the people in our periphery who are important to us here to hear this message. No, it's easier for us to just stand above them, look down at them, be superior and say, I don't understand why they can't do what we do. Now, you know, your pastor is probably one of the greatest salespeople in the history of mankind. And I'm like the Pied Piper. I can blow a trumpet and get thousands of people to follow me. I've been doing it my whole career. I've trained over 25,000 people in 30 countries, and they are willing to follow me because I'm a great leader. So why are these seats empty? My fault. It's not your fault. It's my fault. They won't stay empty. If they stay empty, still my fault, and I'll just slink off into the background and do this for my desk. Despite the evidence right in our faces, and we talk about it all the time, and the Lord warns us every Bible lesson, we can't imagine that somebody would be interested in destroying us. But the Creator, the creator says something different. Are you smarter than him? I'm not. When Pastor Rory, who has nothing better to do with his life, introduces you to your creator, shows you your creator's gift to you, the Bible, and asks you to get to know your creator's mind, and warns you to watch for all the ways the creator's enemy is out to destroy you, it's not because Pastor Rory has nothing better to do. It's because your God and Father knows you believers in Christ need it. And that's why the Apostle Peter wrote down what the Lord told him to tell you in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. He says this, I, Peter, consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, my physical body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Yep, good old Pastor Rory, the one with nothing to better, better to do, wants to be one of those who is stirring you up by way of reminder and coming to you with these Bible lessons to open your eyes about the real reality of your life, your spiritual life. And this old Pastor Rory, who has nothing better to do, is always willing to put everything he's saying in writing so that you can examine it over and over to see if what he is saying is so. And I have taught children's Bible studies 
and provided them with these things. And parents have taken their kids out of the Bible study because they saw exactly what was being taught and they didn't like it because it was inconsistent with what they were teaching, which was lies. Your God wants you to become a serious student. Are you interested? Welcome to Barah Ministries. Today's Bible lesson is a special. Is the Bible your source of truth? In the last lesson of the first half of the year, we'll take a look at our source of truth. When we return from our break next week, in the next lesson, we'll begin studying Paul's letter to the Galatian believers in Christ. And today you'll be introduced both to the Bible and to the New Testament so that you have context for what you are about to study. That was a long introduction. Forgive me for that. Let's hear some music. When it comes to God, we like talking a lot. But Mercy Me, one of the cool groups in the Christian realm, says in song that Christians need to listen to what? We need to listen to the Word of God speak. Are you listening? She 
at a loss for words and the funny thing is it's okay I really hate those songs that end quickly don't you no you don't worry about it because you don't have to get up here but I I'm sitting there enjoying the music and then all of a sudden I have to get up here all right that was word of God speak by mercy me opening prayer let us pray We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege, and it is a privilege, to study the absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, open our minds, open our spiritual eyes, open our hearts to your truth. Help us to understand, because if you didn't, we wouldn't. Help us to crave this amazing gift you gave us, the Bible, so that we would have every answer to every question we would ever encounter in our lives. And we ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. I'm sorry I didn't hear you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Today's Bible lesson is a special, Is the Bible Your Source of Truth? Is the Bible your source of truth? Because if you are focused, you only want one source of truth. If you're distracted, you want many sources of truth, most of the time coming from people who don't have your best interest in mind, who have their wallet in mind. And so I'm holding something in my hand right now. On one hand, it is called the Bible. And many people say it's just a book. But Christians, what do you think it is? My other hand, I'm holding a book. This is a book. This is not a book. The Bible is not a book. The Bible is a written manual provided by God to edify your life. Edify means to build up your life, to build up you. Because you are valuable to God. You are his creature, and he considers it his leadership responsibility to build you up. But you have a role in that. Will you let him? You have to let your teachers teach you. You have to let your coaches coach you. It's God's thoughts in writing given to you as a gift by the person who created you, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible could never be thought of as just a book by anyone who is using a single brain cell in his head. A discerning person, someone who investigated the truth, would know the Bible is just a book. It's just silly talk. You want to test your friends? Just ask them, what do you think the Bible is? Oh, it's just a book. What's marriage? It's just a piece of paper. That's just silly talk. And when you ask those questions and the people that are around you answer it that way, you should run the other way. Because those are not people to be around. Because you know what? You want to know why you're weak? Because you hang around weak people who are influencing your mind to be weak because they want you to be like them. They want to dumb you down so that they feel comfortable. And if you're a person that people feel uncomfortable around, That's good news for you. Because comfort is your enemy. Here's what the Bible says about itself. This is amazing. In 2 Corinthians 2, verse 16. What creature created by God has known the mind of the Lord so well that he would be qualified to instruct the Lord? None. Nanya. No mas. But we believers in Christ have the mind of Christ. We have the exact thinking of the Lord in written form, the only instruction that is perfect. 
And that's just amazing. Those of you who are here in the resident congregation and those of you in the non-resident congregation who have a Bible in front of you, why don't you turn it to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, because we're going to be on that for a little while today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And if you don't know how to turn to a particular place in the Bible, there's an index in the front. And if you look up 2 Timothy, you'll see a page number next to it. And you can go right to the page number, and then you just have to find chapter 3 and look for verses 16 and 17, because we're going to spend some time there. The only instruction you need is the instruction that comes from the Word of God. Yet, you listen to people to get your information? You listen to the atheist nation and its little things to get your information? Okay. In case you're wondering, this and every Bible lesson that's being taught to you through Pastor Rory Clark is really God the Holy Spirit. I'm just his mouthpiece. And a lot of times you might not like what he has to say to you, and I bet you especially don't like what he has to say to you today. And he has a lot to say to you today. This is not Pastor Rory Clark talking. This is not my opinion because I am not a pastor who gives you my opinion because my opinion and $3.40, you notice how that number keeps going up, will get you a cup of grande coffee, coffee from Starbucks. My opinion doesn't matter because I am the same as you. It's just we have different spiritual gifts. I am not superior to you. Uh, a fact which most of the people in Barah Ministries make known to me on a regular basis, I'm not superior to you. In many cases, I'm inferior to you, and that's why God selected me as a teacher. You may think that it's Pastor Rory Clark talking, though, but it isn't. This is your Lord edifying you, building you up. You came here to be built up, and you came here to get the discernment that protects you in every situation. But do you take that seriously, or are you pretty casual about it? Because I've been teaching for 47 years, and I know when a, steri- a student is serious, and I know when a student is casual and passive toward learning. Students who are serious read. Students who are serious have notebooks. Students who are serious take notes. And then think about how the notes that are coming at them, the notes they're taking and the information that's coming at them, applies to the edification of their lives. I know what serious students look like because I've created a lot of serious students, and those people who have listened to the instruction that I've given them have amazing lives all around the world, 30 countries, and are constantly sending me notes on LinkedIn telling me how what I said to them changed their lives. As a matter of fact, I went to a reunion, 40-year reunion of a company that I helped go from $800 million to $1.3 billion uh, a couple of weeks ago, and people were coming up to me, and I haven't seen them in 25 years, telling me how much I affected their lives and how this very day they had done something that was reminiscent of what I had taught them. Thank you. I don't care about that because my ego is not involved in my teaching. I just want you to be amazing. And I don't need a single congratulations, thank you, or anything else from you, because I don't do this for you. I do it for me. I do this because you matter to me if you come here and waste your time with me. It matters to me that what you're hearing from here makes a difference to you. 
that matters. I don't have any interest in hurting your feelings or offending you or anything else. I just want you to be amazing, and I want to be part of it, and I want you to forget three years from now how you got so amazing. I don't want you to remember me, because the moment I close my eyes in this life, you won't remember me anyway. I'll be gone, and you'll be here, and the only thing that will matter is the choices you made in the matter of the instruction. I don't need any credit because I don't deserve any credit because I'm not worthy enough to earn any credit because it is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has made me who I am and who has taught me everything I knew. I, I knew, I know, and will ever know through putting me in situations of tribulation that stimulates in me a toughness that allows me to stimulate that same thing in you when I am leading effectively. In the last five years of my life, I've been sitting around feeling what it's like to be an invalid so that I can understand invalids and I can relate to them. So I could understand mentally weak people by being mentally weak so that when I get up in front of mentally weak people, I can edify them because I was there myself. Second Timothy, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Did everybody in here find that? People here, you find that? Second Timothy, chapter... You can talk to me, it's okay. I'm not going to bite you. Did you find Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17? All right, so that's what we're going to be looking at. Here's what it says. All Scripture is God-breathed. That means that it came out of God and into the writers of Scripture who wrote down the Lord's exact thoughts on the paper. All scripture is God-breathed, and it is profitable. For what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? 2 Timothy 3.17, so that the man of God, a reference to Christians, might keep on becoming mature. Notice the continuous action. Might keep on becoming mature through the orchestration of God the Holy Spirit, totally equipped for every good work, not some. All right, let's look at the parts of this to see what message God is sending to you today. All scripture is God-breathed. What that asks is, who is the source of scripture? Where does scripture come from? The Lord, the number one being in the universe, the sovereign God of the universe. Are any of your friends like that? Are they? I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear everybody. No, that's right. No, man, here it is. None of your friends have this. None of you, any of your friends, I'm one of your friends, I don't have all this. I've been studying it for a quarter of a century. Does TikTok have that? Instagram? Facebook? YouTube? Everybody thinks they're an expert today. They're not. When you open up, on, up Instagram, who is the source of that information? You don't even know, but you take it in and you're talking about it all the time, but you don't do the same thing with the Bible. So you really don't know, but I do. It's from China. It's from creatures. It's not from your creator. And so it's not for your benefit then. It's a, a creature, sometimes, most times, inspired by the enemy of God you hear about every week who wants to destroy you. And they're very successful in very short increments of time, very at at getting your mindset completely off 
of the narrow path that God put you on at the moment of salvation. Amen? Amen? How much time do you give to Instagram? All right, you have 112 waking hours a week. How much time do you give to Instagram when you're zooming into it over and over all day? How much time do you give to TikTok over and over again, every day? How much time do you give to the Bible? Oops. The Bible has apps. The Bible has electronics. That's not what we're looking at. Christians. I'm talking about Christians. Forget about unbelievers. They're going to hell anyway. Who cares? Who cares? I do. I care. That bothers me. Because if I think of my worst enemy, I would never under any circumstances want them to be in the lake of fire. And when I think about my family members, even those who completely disregard me and treat me like an object and think I'm less less than a human being, I would never want any of them to be in the lake of fire. I have five people in the family I created on my watch. All of them will be in eternity with me. Not one was lost. How about you? And I'm talking especially to Christians who expose themselves to the word of God every day. Are you influential in your own family? One of the things that I've been watching is Norbert has been sitting here with his ponytail and his Harley and his pickup truck for years. And all of a sudden it dawned on him that he has a spiritual gift And he is lighting his family up like a Christmas tree. And they're looking at him like, how did the ponytail guy start talking? (laughs) How did the ponytail guy start talking like this? What happened? Oh, nothing. He's just been sitting under instruction for about the last eight years in silence, learning. And then all of a sudden, all that learning and all that work he did is coming to the fore. That's what happened. And then he's actually getting up and speaking it out, and he's scratching his head wondering, where the hell did that come from? It came from your hard work. Every week, that's where it came from. Because you don't have to be here. You can be out on your Harley. It's a nice day. And early in the morning is the best time to be out because it's about to get hot in Phoenix. You don't have to be here, but you are. One of the most special human beings who's ever come to this planet not to mention Deacon Denny, who for 20 years has been listening to the Bible. And the reward he gets for it is he gets his ass kicked on a regular basis. He gets disregarded as a human being. Yet, I never once, when I get up on a Sunday, think about whether when I go into that pulpit, whether everything is going to be ready for me or not. I never once wonder about it because I know exactly who that man is And I know exactly how he operates, and I know exactly what he's going to do. And he doesn't want to destroy me. He values the person he worships and the things that that person is teaching. That's the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in case you were wondering, not Pastor Willie. How much time do you give to Instagram? How much time do you give to the Bible? To whom do you give more of your brain? Do you give more of your brain to the one who created you and is concerned with edifying you or to the one who is interested in destroying you? I don't have to answer that question for you. You can't. 
Do you give your time and attention to God in a scheduled manner? And that means not driving around. Now, while you are shaving, although there's certainly nothing wrong with that, because when I go to bed, one of the things I love is putting on the Word of God before I go to bed because there's nothing more calming, and it puts me right to sleep. And I certainly don't mind listening to it when I'm shaving in the morning. Only problem is I shave in the shower, and I wouldn't want to bring my phone in there. But when I get into the car, I listen to these stupid people on the radio talking about sports, which matters very little in this life, and is certainly not going to get me to heaven. And I listen to their stupid and uninformed opinion. There was a lady on this morning who was talking about how if she were the commissioner of the NFL, the first rule she would implement is that she would make sure that she didn't have the power to veto a trade. And I was telling that to a friend of mine this morning. He said, well, that's why she's not the commissioner of the NFL. (laughs) Because she said, just let chaos reign. These are the people we listen to every day. I turned my radio off. It disgusted me so much, I almost pulled over to the side of the road and threw up out my window. Because that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And that's what happens to people who are the product of TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. Social propaganda, not social media. People who are allowing themselves to be destroyed. Do you give your attention to God in a scheduled manner where you're sitting down and really concentrating on the word of God? Or is everything a flyby for you? Where you give your heart and your mind to Satan's emissaries who are inspired to help him destroy you. You decide who you're allowing to shape your life and your mindset. And when you get it, that certain teachers who are shaping your mind, your your life and your mindset, are really putting you in a position to be really effective and to be really thoughtful, which makes you a freak. It bothers you because it's not comfortable for all those people around you that you need to dumb yourself down for. Scripture is God-breathed for what? All scripture is God-breathed. It comes directly from God to the writers of scriptures to you for your edification. God-breathed for what? It's profitable for teaching. Teaching about what? Your life. Teaching about the path that's best for you to travel, the narrow road that leads to life, that narrow road being the Lord Jesus Christ, just like TikTok, right? Jesus Christ and TikTok are not much different, right? 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 How come you guys can't talk to me? Am I intimidating you? Is this uncomfortable for you? Jesus Christ and TikTok are the same in terms of education, right? No, not at all. Who do you give more time to? Just like television, right? No. But if you want to know who's watched virtually every uh, episode of The Price is Right in season 151, me. How much of my life? <laughs> how much of my life did I give to that? How much life of my life did I spend shame uh, uh, binge watching Shameless to watch stupid people do stupid stuff? How much to East New York? How much to NCIS? You can actually learn something in NCIS. How much to the Good Doctor? A lot, a lot more than to well, not more than to Scripture. That's that's a lie because. 
I spend about 25 hours a week in scripture. But And there's nothing wrong with a guy watching a little TV, but that's not a little TV, is it? It's a lot of TV. There's certainly different things that I could do, but I was sitting around uh, in my underwear learning how the underwear set works for the last five years. Thank you for two of those years being COVID. And I learned a lot. And what I learned most is I want nothing to do with that life. How about you? You like that life? That, that life that, they, that, that the government that we have trusted and put in office has taken away from us? You like that? You think those leaders are worthy of your vote and your trust? Are they? All right, I respect the chair. I respect the office. How about you? Are they worthy of your respect? I say no. Some are, some aren't. But you have to decide because you speak with your vote. Scripture is God-breathed and it is profitable teaching about your life. Just like books, right? I mean, I have roughly, I don't know, a thousand books in my library. Are they all good? No. Most of them are the product of reading 30, 30 lousy books so that I could find the one book that would go in the shelf so that I could refer it to people so that they wouldn't have to go through the 30 books like I did. All these things, TikTok, television, books, they're created to edify you, right? Not always. In fact, it's really hard to find anything on TV that edifies you. The Bible is profitable for what? For reproof, that thing none of us like. What is reproof? Reproof is people or things that warn you as you wander off the path. Reproof is like the little bumps on the freeway when you wander out of the lane or like the new devices and cars that adjust your car when it wanders out of the lane because you weren't paying attention because you were looking at your phone text messaging somebody uh, with a text message that couldn't possibly wait until you were in a safe place where you didn't have the possibility of killing yourself or somebody else by losing your attention for one second. You hear a sound when you wander out of the lane. Woo, 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 woo. You feel the lane device make your car pull back into the lane you were in. Who offers this for your life if you let him? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Through what? The Bible, and not through a book. The Bible is good for correction. Well, what is correction? It's a reminder of the narrow path God put you on. You are special to God, and he created a path for you and put you on it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 reminds you of this. You believers in Christ are a chosen race. You're, spe you're special to God. You are a royal priest. That means you get to represent yourself before God, and you don't have to go through anybody else. You are a holy nation. You are part of the holy nation, God's nation, the nation that God made holy. We're not talking about the United States here. You are a people for God's own possession. You are owned by God from the moment that you believed in Christ. He, you became his property, and I was thinking about June's song. We are God's property. Yes, we are. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has called you out of the darkness of spiritual death, that darkness you were born into, into his marvelous light, the spiritual light. That's who you are. According to whom? TikTok? 
No, according to the sovereign God of the universe, that's who you are. Did you wake up this morning thinking that you were that special? I'm asking you. Did you wake up this morning thinking you were that special? No. No, you didn't because you spent 110 hours of your life listening to people tell you how lousy you are and you believe them. Family members, friends, propaganda centers telling you how bad you are. I was standing next to a couple in uh, a restaurant recently and it turns out that they were both from my hometown, Chicago, Illinois, but they really weren't from Chicago. That's just what the suburban <laughs> That's just what the suburban people say who live the privileges li lives out in the suburbs. They say, I'm from Chicago. You don't even know what it's like to be from Chicago. He's a salesperson. She's uh, a, a marketing assistant. And I, I don't know what it is about me. Uh, there's something strange about me. There's a lot strange about me, as you know. I, I like kids a lot. And I love young people a lot. And especially young couples. And you know, they're saying, well, we want a house, but we can't get a house. We can't, we can't count me in I said, okay, you're a salesperson. What's your quota? Well, it's half a million dollars, $500,000. I said, okay, do you want a house? Yeah. Okay, make your quota $2 million. Go deliver it. Keep living out of your $500,000 lifestyle and take the extra $1.5 million and buy your house cash. Don't get a loan. You can do that? Not unless you want to. <laughs> that was, he, he used the Deacon Denny accent. You could do that? Only if you want to. Or you can let somebody else set your quota, you can underperform it, and then you can stick your thumb in your mouth, curl up on the floor in the fetal position, and wonder why the government isn't coming in and making your life great. They don't. They make their life great. Some of the people in our government will retire with six pensions or three pensions. And you will retire wondering who's going to pay your medical insurance. And the answer 10 years from now is nobody because the people that you put in office and you revere have mismanaged your money. To and, and by the way, they're brilliant people financially. They've mismanaged your money to the point where there won't be any money, even though you've paid into it four years, you won't have the money to take care of your health because they have stolen it from you and you allowed it. The fact that they stole it, I don't, that doesn't bother me. The fact that we allow it, that bothers me. Do you know that I have hypertension? Do you know what hypertension is? It's called high blood pressure. I take four high blood pressure medications. I go to the finest health system in the world, definitely in the United States, probably in the history of mankind. And do you know I'm on four medications for blood pressure and this amazing institution can't figure out a way to get my blood pressure to 120 or over 80? Do you know that 65% of the people who have hypertension are taking medications and their hypertension is not controlled? I don't know how you feel about that, but that's unacceptable to me. And when I go talk to them the next time, I'm going to tell them, your management of my hypertension and your recommendations are unacceptable to me because my blood pressure is not controlled. 
and I am in 100% compliance with everything you told me to do, and it is failing, and you have no responsibility for the fact that it's failing. And we all let people manage us, get our money, and, 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 and it will allow them to have no responsibility for what they're doing. Because, oh, they're doctors. Oh, doctor, doctor, doctor. No? That's not how it goes down. But we allow it. You're a royal priest. Does that matter to you? Did you wake up this morning looking in the, uh, in the mirror and say, Good morning, royal priest. I am looking forward today to representing myself before God. Good morning, God. How are you today, man? No, but I bet you the first thing you did is pick up your phone and see who text messaged you stuff. And I don't understand an omnipotent God who can't send us text messages. So until he figures that out, a God with all the power figures out how to text message me, I'm just going to count on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook because they figured it out. No, I'm not going to do that. If it matters to you that you are a royal priest who can represent yourself before God, can you get enough of it? Because when you like something a lot, you can't get enough of it. That's not how it is in the matter of God. Let's, so let's review 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, which says this, All scriptures God breathed. Is breathed out of God and into the writers of Scripture who wrote the Lord's exact thoughts onto paper. And it is profitable for what? For teaching you about your life, for reproof, for warning you when you're veering out of the lane, for correction, for helping you get back into the lane, and for training in righteousness. What in the hell is that? At the moment of salvation, what was credited to you, what you didn't see when you looked in the, mor- in the mirror this morning, is the righteousness of God, and if it was visible, it would be a plus R stencil to your forehead, and it is your admission ticket to heaven so that when you get to the pearly gates where the Apostle Peter allegedly is, because absolutely Jesus Christ would put the one who betrayed him right at the, at the gate of heaven to determine who gets in and who doesn't. No, that's not how it works. But when you go to heaven... It's going to be obvious that this righteousness that has been credited to you is what gets you into heaven. Because without righteousness, you cannot get into heaven, and you certainly can't create righteousness on your own. So why would you, as a believer in Christ, need training in righteousness? It's because as an unbeliever, you were unrighteous. And you know the unrighteous life, and you love it, even though you're no longer unrighteous. You love it, and... You want that life. You don't want the life of righteousness, which requires responsibility on your part. You don't want that life. As a believer in Christ, what do you know about the righteousness and the life it creates for you, given to you by God the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation? Nothing. So you need training in righteousness. Because you know what? What's the difference between a sailor, a sailor in the United States military, and a Navy SEAL. One thing, training. Navy SEALs are one of the most amazing group of human beings in the history of mankind because they can get you out of any jam. You know why? 
Training. Training. While you were sitting on the couch in your underwear, they were training so that if you got in a scrape, even though they don't know you, they could get you out of it. Amen? Isn't that amazing that there are people right now who are standing on a wall and say, nothing's going to hurt you tonight, not on my watch, because if they weren't, two billion people would come over and take over a country that has 300 million people. And they can't because of a very small group of people who have trained to keep you safe so that you could sit here and ignore the word of God. Amen? Excuse me, I didn't hear you. I didn't. Amen? Amen. Thank you. So, why would God give you the Bible, this tremendous asset, knowing that you were going to ignore him and it? I'll tell you why. 2 Timothy 3.17. So that the man of God, which is a reference to Christians, might keep on becoming mature. Through the orchestration of God, the Holy Spirit, God's never going to leave that up to you. Thank God. Totally equipped. What's that word, totally? What does that mean? It means complete in every way. Totally equipped for every good work. Totally able to discern in every situation. That's what God does for you. Do you discern in every situation? No. You just allow access to you from people who may or may not have your best interests at heart without investigating anything. And then you pay for it for 21 years or 50. I went into Roman Catholicism for 21 years without inspecting it. And I wasted 21 years of my life trying to stop sinning when I couldn't. And then I wasted 29 years of my life trying to keep the law. And I learned that I couldn't. So uh, uh, half a century of my life was spent learning through my own stupidity and getting my own butt kicked so I could come up here and tell you that's really not the way to go. You might not want to take 50 years to learn that lesson that your slow learner teacher took 50 years to learn. Yeah, that's the truth. God wants you to be mature. In other words, he wants you to grow up. So God the Holy Spirit can take you from being a baby believer to being a mature believer. What happened? No, that was my mic. It had slipped down around my uh, visceral fat, and I just moved it back up on my lapel. God gave the Pastor Rory's of the world a spiritual gift, and he's teaching pastors all over the world to use that spiritual gift for a purpose. And here's the purpose, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. As a result of the gift of people being sent by God to you and resources like the Bible given by God for you, gifts from God to edify you, believers in Christ, we are to no longer be children. We're not to be two-year-olds and 34-year-old bodies tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, which is false teaching, from the source of the trickery of men, from the source of Satan's craftiness and deceitful scheming, that one who's out to destroy you. Verse 15, 
but by hearing someone who keeps on speaking the truth to you in unconditional love from the source of God, we believers in Christ are to grow up in all aspects of life, especially in your relationship with him who is your head, the boss, the Christ. God wants you to be mature. You would rather not do that. You would rather get your instruction from men instead of God. You would rather get your instruction from China, an atheist nation, instead of from people in the United States who are used to freedom, who are teaching you to be free. Is that okay with you? Is that okay with you? Don't lie. It is. It's absolutely okay with you. Don't lie. If you lie... You can lie to me. Don't lie to you. It is okay with you. It makes no sense for you. You eat more than one meal a week. You eat more than one meal a day. Is it a regular practice of yours to stop and sit down every day just like you do for meals and eat the things that your creator wants you to eat through a resource he provides for you and to see what answers he has for the questions in your life that he provided right here in the Bible Offered free of charge by Barah Ministries. You decide. And it's not free of charge by Barah Ministries. It's free of charge by Denise Jones, who, puts, who, who has a business and puts her money on the line so that you can have it. And who every week brings us food and coffee and gets up way too early to make sure you're taken care of. And who provides this facility that we teach the word of God in. You may have more important things to do, like closing your eyes to all the things in this world that is designed to destroy you, and wandering away from all the things that are designed by God to build you up. This is what, watch this, every one of us does me better than you as human beings. The pastor is asking you, is it okay with you? that you have so little regard for yourself and so little regard for the people who are important to you, that you give so much of yourself and your mind and your heart to things that lure you away from the narrow path to those who seek to destroy you, even though you may think that that is not their mission because you're such a, uh, just such a compassionate person that nobody could possibly be out to hurt you. You have to answer that. No creature can answer it for you. The Bible can answer it for you if you want to put yourself in front of the mirror of the Word of God. That's why 25-plus hours a week for the past quarter century, learning from the Bible is so important to me. Through it, our Creator keeps on answering the major questions of your life. Are you listening, or are you ignoring Him in favor of some other source of truth? We're going to wind down this first part of the lesson with this. There is a book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. And it was written by a guy named Solomon. And Solomon is the most successful human being in the history of mankind. He was King David's son. He is the richest man of all time. He is the best dressed man of all time. And with all that privilege, you know what he sought to do? He sought to do eight experiments to find out exactly whether what the Bible had to say was true. So the first experiment was sex, and that failed. And then the next experiment was education, 
and that failed. And the next experiment was people, and that failed. Well, I won't go through the eight experiments, but his conclusion was this. When all has been said and done, all of that stuff is vanity. All of it is meaningless. The only thing that matters is the Lord Jesus Christ and his word, and all that other stuff is nothing, a lesson that we all have to learn along the journey. And there was a queen who heard about this Solomon and who came to meet him, and after one conversation with him, she looked at him and said, what's wrong with you, man? You got all this money, you're handsome, you were raised by an amazing father, you're really well-dressed, and you're just stupid because you allowed yourself to experiment in eight areas knowing before you went into them that they were meaningless. You did not act like a real leader. You acted like a dope when you were taught. Now, since Solomon, nobody else in the history of mankind has done a similar thing. Isn't that right? No, that's not right. All of us do the same thing. We don't learn from Solomon. We're going to do our own experiments. And this time it's going to work out because we're better than Solomon. No, you're not. You decide what kind of life you want to have. When we return from the break, which I'm sure you're dying to have, because the bladder can only hold so much water. When we return from the break, we'll take the offering from an amazing human being, Deacon Denny Goodall, and we'll take a quick tour of the Bible, especially the books of the New Testament. Now that the setup has been done, now you find out what that index is that you have in front of you. Take a five-minute break.
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson is a special. Is the Bible your source of truth? Do you think Jesus ever thought about money? Nope. What the Lord thought about most was giving. And as you think about giving both today and every day, let your attitude reflect the Lord's attitude as communicated in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive, or listen to Satan's kingdom and tithe. Give 10% of your income to people who may or may not be good leaders, promoting for you a concept that was Old Testament as opposed to the concept of the New Testament, because they like money. Let's prepare to give as we welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. You can't do that with me, Denny, because I'll drop it. All right. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm thankful to be a deacon for Barah Ministries because we believe in the mind of Christ. We believe in the Bible, and the Bible says to live a life of forgiveness. <clears throat> we see that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Can you turn it down just a touch, Zach? Thank you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. I've been thinking a lot about forgiveness, and it involves more than just forgiving others. I think forgiveness involves forgiving yourself, first of all, for making mistakes and for doing things wrong sometimes, because we're going to do that, and that's how you learn, right? Just don't do it over and over again. And I think we have to forgive ourselves for missed opportunities or for wasting time, because it's going to happen. We don't know all the answers. We have to find them. That's why it's nice to be here where we know the Bible is our answer. And I think along with forgiving self, we have to forgive others. Because a lot of times, others will wrong us, and it's easy to just write them off. Especially our family, our friends, those that know us most can hurt us the most. And I think it's easy to just trash people and get a new friend, or trash people and focus on a new family member. Amen. <laughs> and I think uh, we have to forgive others for not agreeing with us. Amen. And I have to agree with, agree with us 100%. But if they agree with God, we're all on the same page. Amen. And I think, you know, ultimately we also have to forgive God. Because well, a lot of times we blame him for not working in our timing. And we have to, for, you have to remember that it's his timing. It's perfect. And we have, to for, we have to forgive God for being impartial. Sometimes that hurts. You want him to take some people out. Or you want him to treat you better than he treats others. Yeah, God, the God says be kind to one another and tenderhearted. So be kind to yourself, be kind to others, and be kind to God because we're all just doing our best. And, you know, I want to thank Denise because she's used her, her time to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. She's used her talent to walk in a spiritual gift. And she's used her treasure to support Barah Ministries. And that's amazing. And so I forgive you all for not doing the same. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, I like where you are. The good news is, right now you can start over and we can be fresh and we can start doing those things. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. And, when, and then we'll be friends. <laughs> so I just want to thank you all for coming, especially those that are here you know, in person, because I think seeing faces, people's faces brings you out of a mood, can help you 
you know, be happy and not be so focused on your own problems because we're all fighting battles. And so let's help each other. And one way to do that is to help Barah Ministries. So thank you very much. that song. I never get tired of hearing it. I bet you do. So recommend something else. Today's Bible lesson special is the Bible, your source of truth. You probably don't use the physical Bible anymore. It's just easier to use the electronic Bible. But the problem is easy is not how we learn. Could I have a paper, one of those papers? Um, So if you are in the resident congregation, Here in the lesson today, you have access to the table of contents of the Bible we use, the New American Standard 1995 translation. People say that there are many interpretations of the Bible. By the way, this is what I'm talking about. And if you don't have it, you'll find it in your newsletter. And this is just the index, the table of contents from this Bible that is a big print Bible for blind people like me and the contents are in there, and that particular thing that you have is the table of contents for the new, new te- for the for the new American Standard translation, 1995, and that's the Bible we use. Um, now there are a lot of translations of the Bible, and some of them are really good, and some of them are really lousy, because. Human beings always think they have to interpret things, but the New Testament was written in a language that requires no interpretation because every expression in the language has one and only one interpretation. The Bible has 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament as believers in Christ were responsible for all of those. But the Old Testament was written to the Jews. 
It was not written to church-age believers, which is what you are, the set of believers immediately after Jesus Christ died at the cross. You, as a church-age believer, are Jesus Christ's reward from his Father for going to the cross and dying for you. And if you can imagine that you would be a reward for anybody, holy smoke. But you are. So, this is the 27 books of the New Testament. And so, as church-age believers, we study the New Testament. There's absolutely unique wisdom in the entire Bible because it is the Lord's mind. It is how the Lord thinks. That's how we get to know Him. And because it comes from the source of God the Father. Yet, church-age believers study the New Testament. That's our instruction set. Now, what did God make available for you to learn in the Bible? Well, the first four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are called the Gospels. So if you look on here, first four Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what do you know about those four people? I would venture to say probably not much. But they document the life of Jesus Christ during the 33 years he was on earth. What messages? that the Lord inspire these men to write for your edification. Well, Matthew is a Jewish tax collector who was hated by the Jewish people because he was working for the Romans, who were the predominant government at the time. And the Jewish people hated Romans much as other countries hate Americans. He wrote about Jesus Christ's kingship. He was a guy who was collecting taxes from his own people, and was skimming money off the top, and the Lord thought he'd be a good guy to write about his kingship. What does it mean, kingship? Jesus Christ is the king of all kings, king above all kings. He is the Lord above all lords. See, people make themselves kings and lords, but they aren't kings and lords, they're just people. Mark, whose real name is John Mark, is a mama's boy. He abandoned the Apostle Paul on his first missionary journey because the work was a bit too hard for him. He went home to Mama. And the Lord selected him to write about Jesus Christ, the servant. Why does does God always pick weak people to write important stuff? I don't get it. Do you? I absolutely get it. Because he always puts the worst people up front. The worst people are the ones who have had their asses kicked and who can help people who haven't had that to understand what toughness is. I spent 50 years learning the hard way that sin and the law weren't it so that you could learn that in a year or three. Luke is a scholar and a physician. He was brilliant. He was loyal. Uh, you know, one of the things Paul said, only Luke is with me. While everybody else had abandoned me, only Luke is with me. And Luke was the personal physician of Paul, followed him everywhere to make sure he was in good health so he could write two-thirds of the New Testament. He wrote about the chronology of the life of Jesus, one event after another. First this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And he was inspired by God to tell us about Jesus as the son of man, the son of you. Because Jesus thought it was important that he would be the son of man so that he would experience everything you could ever possibly 
experience and get his butt kicked every possible way that you could so you could never say, well, you don't know what I'm going through, because he does, on steroids a thousand times worse than you ever had it. One of Jesus' many titles is the Son of Man. John is one of the 12 apostles to Jesus Christ. And he described himself as the apostle Jesus loved because, of course, Jesus didn't love everybody. He just loved John. And he was always laying on Jesus' chest while the apostles were reclining at a meal, all up in Jesus' face, asking him questions, talking to him, because that's what great students do. They lay up all in their teacher's face, and they are picking the brain of their leader, and they're putting a straw in their leader's head and sucking that person's brain out of themselves into them so they can be an exact reflection of that person. He was in Jesus' inner circle. He was one of the three people up there on the Mount of Transfiguration who saw Jesus as he's going to be in his second coming. He and his brother James, the sons of Zebedee, and Peter, who was running his mouth on that mountain, He was inspired by God to write about the deity of Jesus Christ. That sign that hangs above my head, isn't that a cool sign? It says, Jesus Christ is God. You know why it says that? Because Jesus Christ is deity, and everybody thinks he's just some guy who's not any different than Muhammad or Joseph Smith or any of the other guys who have been great prophets over the years. No, that's not exactly true. See, he is the creator, and all of those people are creatures who were created by the creator. He's not the same. So he wrote about the deity of Christ to tell us that Jesus Christ is God. I've been asking you stuff all day, and you've been whimpering out the response. And when I said, can you have eternal life in Rory Clark's name? You're all up in my face yelling it. No! Why is that? You want me to know that I'm not all that. I'm not. I already know. The only person who didn't know is you. Because you, as congregation members, want to idolize me. And when you find out that I'm not who you wanted me to be in your head, then you run away. You abandon me. That's what we do to the people we love. When we find out that they're not what we imagined, we leave. Because we're always looking to make ourselves superior to everybody else. We hang around people who are inferior so that we can be superior, and then we scratch our heads and wondering, and wonder why they're so inferior. And it's because those of you who want to be superior have to be around people who are inferior so you can feel good about yourselves. And that's what we're going to study next. We're going to st- study about legalism, which is that phenomenon which 90% of Christians turn Christianity t- into, this superior system. We're going to heaven And you're going to hell if you don't listen to us. I don't think that's the way Jesus Christ worked with us. That's not what he proposes. He came down here and humiliated himself 
by putting himself in a human body so that he could save. He didn't put himself in a human body so he could stand above everybody else and say, well, I'm the Lord and I'm deity. He actually dumbed himself down. It's called the doctrine of kenosis. He deprived himself of the rightful functions of deity for a period of time so that he could learn what you go through so that you would never be able to say, you don't know what I'm going through. Because if you said that to him, he'd say, you have never been in a desert for 40 days starving and then had the most clever being in the universe come to you and offer you all the kingdoms of the world, which was his right as the ruler of this world, if you will just bow down and worship me. And he said, no, Satan, be gone, Satan, because I know who you are because I created you. You are a liar, and you are the one who keeps on fathering lies. And if I believe you, right after that, I'm going to lose the creator-creature conflict, and you're not going to keep your promise because you never have. All you want to do is destroy people, and then when you've succeeded, they let you do it. You taunt them and laugh at them and leave them in the gutter with an invoice to pay their own bill, a bill you created. Amen? Oh, now you're starting to get the hang of it. You had, you're right there. You had it out loud. Luke wrote the book of Acts, the fifth book in the Bible on here, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Acts, what is that? You don't know. Christians don't know what the book of Acts is. It is the complete description that tells us about the formation of the first century church. And then Paul's letter to the Romans, the sixth book, a book it took me seven years to teach you, because I'm incompetent, reveals the depth of the gospel message. And I remember, <laughs> I remember when I first started teaching that book, and I was going, ah, Jesus, Paul, don't we know the gospel message? Don't we know this already? Why are we going over this? And then seven years later, I figured it out why we were going over this, because that's the most important book in the New Testament for Christians. And because it's the most important book in the New Testament for Christians, that means that 90% of all Christians have never once opened it or studied it. And if you want to know if a pastor's any good, just ask him to see his Bible and see how many of the pages in Romans are crinkled. Because generally speaking, if you spend seven years in Romans, you're going to really understand what Christianity is. And what the letter to Romans teaches is how is it that you can be saved which is the most important thing you could ever know what it teaches is the answer to the question what about the jewish race now that it has been set aside for a period of time because the jewish race rejected jesus christ as their messiah and they'll figure it out later because god will help them figure it out later just like he was trying to help them figure it out when they were here on earth and it ends with a set of do's and don'ts chapters 13 to 16 that says if you want to have a great life here's what you do and here's what you don't do which we don't bother to examine because we're too busy looking at TikTok and Instagram and Facebook social propaganda for our direction but this helps us live a spiritual life Paul's two letters to the Corinthians are to offer the worst church Paul founded his fault a chance to look at themselves in the mirror 
And as you know, people don't like looking at themselves in the mirror. They like pointing at the faults of others and ignoring their own. The next letter we will study at Barah Ministries is Paul's letter to the Galatians. Paul founded several churches in a region called Galatia. And as soon as the believers there were built up by God and put on the right path, they relaxed. And then what happened? Satan was laying for them in wait, waiting for them to relax so he could send false emissaries to them to take away everything they had just built up. And it happens in a month after it could be 20 years that you build it. It happens in a month. A group of false teachers with their false teaching came in and convinced them to veer off the righteous path. Now, that never happens to you, correct? It never happens to you that you bust your butt to be effective and you spend all this time working and all this effort working and then somebody comes, on, comes along and veers you off the path. That never happens to you, does it? Yeah, that's right. Me too. They allowed it. We allow it. We allow people to have access to us who are silly and who want to help us veer off the path. And in case you forgot, we studied Paul's letter to the Colossians, and it was about a congregation who were in the initial stages of being penetrated by false teachers and false teaching designed to destroy them. Is this only what happens to them Or is God warning them, was God warning through them that this is something that also happens to you? Because I guarantee you I've seen so many people who have worked their butts off to climb to the top of success, and then they relax and they allow the weak people around them to take them right off the path. TikTok, we could go on. You know, I could go on and tell you all the rest of this stuff. I have been for 25 years. Is the Bible your source of truth? God gave you the Bible to give you a way to get to know him in his mind. He wants you to have every answer to every question of your life in one small source. Is this source more important to you than all of the sources Satan offers to destroy you? You know the answer to that question. Enjoy your break next week. We'll enjoy learning about legalism's poisonous effect in Paul's letter to the Galatians when we, when we return. Amen? Amen. Great first half of the year. Second half of the year is going to be better because we're going to determine whether we care about this ministry enough to get our friends and family members in the seats that are empty here. And if we aren't, then that's fine. But there's no need for us to pay $2,300 a month to have empty seats. There's no need for that. So we'll figure out another way to do it. The closing moments of our Bible lesson today could be the 10 most important minutes of your life. We want you to know that God wants you. And what does he want from you? He wants you to make the most important decision of your life. God gave you an amazing gift from the moment of birth. It's called volition, volition, volition. 
That's the ability to choose. You have the power of free will, the power of choice. You can make your own decisions. What do you choose to believe about God, unbelievers? Well, there are many beliefs about God. A belief is an opinion or a conviction or a confidence in the existence of something that does not seem provable. Yet everything with God is provable. There's no need for blind faith with God. He reveals himself in ways that make sense to human beings, and if he didn't, he wouldn't be worth worshiping. He reveals himself in ways that make sense to you. And if he didn't, what kind of God would he be? What would make him worthy of our worship? Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says this. Since the creation of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ's invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his deity, he is God, have been clearly seen by all mankind. Well, what if they didn't know? It says here that they, they have been clearly seen by all mankind, being understood through everything that has been made in the entire created universe, so that all mankind, and especially unbelievers, are without excuse in the matter of knowing God. You're not going to stand before God and say, I didn't know. But what if I didn't know? Never going to be able to pull that off. Satan, the enemy of God, prefers that we have beliefs. He knows there's a big difference between beliefs and truth. And only when our beliefs and the truth are the same are our beliefs significant. And Satan hates the truth. Why? He can't handle the truth. Do you choose to believe Satan or do you choose to believe God? We know the answer to that question. With many people, what many people believe is that they can impress God so much that he will let them into heaven because of their good deeds and their religious practices. Can you even believe that? So they give money to beggars, they give food to the homeless, they give back to the community. That's all we ever hear. I give back so I can create a legacy. Nobody's going to remember you when you're dead. Do you know that? Five minutes after you're dead, nobody will even remember your name and they will remember nothing you did here. You know how I know that? Because in nearly seven decades on the earth, I've seen it over and over and over again. When my mom died, I was driving around, and I was devastated, and everybody was acting like nothing happened. Something had happened, but nobody cared. When my kids were young, I flew them to China, and as we were landing, I said, look out the window there, look out the window, what do you see? And they said, I don't know. I said, two billion people who don't care that you're on the earth. Two billion people who don't care that you're on the earth. We cannot impress God by what we do. None of these good deeds, while admirable, are good enough to get you into heaven. The Bible, God's instructions to edify your life, tell a completely different story about your works. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, really important verse by one of the great pastors of all time. He said, the Lord Jesus Christ saved us, believers in Christ, not on the basis of deeds that we have done in self-righteousness. He saved us according to his mercy, not giving us the wrath of God that sin deserves, but by giving us the washing of regeneration and through renewing by God the Holy Spirit. The Bible directs all mankind to let God do the saving because God never fails at anything. We don't want to listen to him 
because TikTok has much more wisdom than him. You would never want to put the burden of your salvation on your own back. Your good deeds won't get you into heaven, but God's plan can. And the one way, the only way to get to heaven is through placing your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation because he can save you. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this. Jesus said to the doubting apostle Thomas, can you even imagine that an apostle would doubt the sovereign God of the universe? Yeah, you can because you do too. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way to salvation. I am the truth through the word of God. I am the resurrection life, eternal life, and no one, as in nada, nobody ever, no creature ever, comes to God the Father in heaven, but through believing in me, there's only one way. God makes it simple. We don't like simple. The Apostle Paul describes the amazing Jewish Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, he says, I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures. And he was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. When you choose to believe, that Jesus Christ is God, when you choose to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, these are much more than beliefs. It's the absolute truth. So how do you get to heaven when you close your eyes in this life? My mentor, Pastor McLaughlin, just found out, and he would want me to share this with you. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 are things that God would want me to share with you too, and that is this. If you confess publicly, if you admit out of your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, that he is deity, and if you believe in your heart that God the Father raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10.10. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in the imputation of absolute righteousness by God, which I mentioned earlier, is your admission ticket to heaven. And with the mouth, a person confesses, admitting faith in Christ alone. That's called justification, resulting in salvation. So it's wise to let God save you because once God does something, it can't be undone because God never changes his mind because he never makes a mistake because he is perfect. John chapter 10, verse 28 says this, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, give eternal life to believers in Christ. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Rejecting a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ has consequences, as it says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 40 to 42. So, just as weeds are gathered up and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Matthew 13, 41. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, will send forth his elect angels. Those are the angels that took the reconciliation offer and after falling came back to the Lord. And the elect angels will gather out of the Lord's kingdom all stumbling blocks, which are unbelievers, and those who commit lawlessness, unbelievers. And what will they do with them? The elect angels will throw unbelievers into the furnace of fire, the lake of fire, 
And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And my question is, do you think God's kidding? You can be, make the most important choice of your life by doing what is suggested in Acts 16.31. You can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. John 3.17 says this, God the Father did not send God the Son, the Lord, who took on human form as Jesus Christ, into the world to judge the world. But God the Father sent God the Son into the world that the world might be saved through him. Take the free gift of eternal life right now. There is no time to waste. God wants you. So why bother working for your salvation, which you can't do successfully, through the human good deeds that you think are important, when it's a free gift from the omnipotent God. Let the Lord Jesus Christ work on the cross. Give back to you so that your legacy might be eternal life. All right, let's finish with music. Most people don't know much about the Bible, but all of them have heard this verse especially if they've ever been to a football game because it's always, somebody's always holding up a sign, John 3.16, which says this. It highlights the Lord's mission toward you. It says, God the Father loved the world unconditionally. He loved the world so much, and the world is everybody in it, including you, that he gave his uniquely born son to die, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave him to be crucified on a cross for you so that whosoever, that means it's open to everyone, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but has eternal life. Well, June Murphy sings about this verse in her song, Whosoever. Oh, man. 
can be saved. It's a choice you have to make. No mistake. Salvation's That's an amazing song by an amazing woman, June Murphy. Spends most of her time sitting around watching The Voice on TV. But she's an amazing woman who's written about 60 amazing songs about the Lord and Savior and who probably knows the Bible better than most of the pastors who are teaching in megachurches. Amen? I don't think she heard you. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, thank you for making us think about our sources of truth. Help us change them to sources that edify us like the Bible. 
instead of sources that make us sour and bitter about this amazing life you have given us. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll be discussing the lesson and have a prayer circle at least for the next month. But if I don't get some questions, I don't see the need for me to sit around for an hour uh, staring at people who don't have any questions who are supposed to be students. So we'll do that for about a month. You can join us live or on Zoom immediately following the lesson. There was another thing that used to come after this, and if you have any biblical questions, pastor at baradministries.com, but in all the years I've had that up there, including this year, I've never gotten it. Well, I've gotten probably two questions, and they were both from unbelievers. So, uh, And they weren't really asking questions. They were just telling me that I was stupid. So I already knew that in case they didn't know. So I just took that out because it's a waste of time having it in there if nobody's going to use it. I recommend that you keep on studying the Word of God, continuous action, that you keep on studying the Word of God. Thanks for coming, thanks for watching, and thanks for listening. Those of you who came, I value you. And if today's message didn't make that absolutely clear, and if my whole countenance doesn't make that absolutely clear that you're important to me, then I need to say it in words. You're important to me, and I demonstrate how important you are to me by sitting down for 25 hours a week to prepare a two-hour lesson when most of the pastors in the world are giving you concerts, which you could get better concerts by going to Talking Stick Arena here in town or giving you entertainment or helping you get a date, all of which you don't have to do in church because church is all about like-minded believers in Christ coming together to worship their Lord and Savior, and then to learn exactly what he has to say about what kind of life we ought to live to keep ourselves from becoming like that group of unbelievers who think TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook have all the answers to life. Amen? Amen. All right, so keep on studying the Word of God. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I, I value you, and I demand that you value me back, or I'll do something else with my time. Amen? Amen. Awesome. We have an understanding. See you next week. Or two weeks from now.